So what's up, guys? Welcome to the Ninefold Podcast. Got a couple special guests here with us today, Nick Allred, Zach Mehmet. So today we're going to just kind of dive in. This will be the first episode um, of a series of important uh, information. Basically, we want to just take this podcast and really just expand guys' vision about what's possible in door-to-door, and ex- particularly pest control. So Zach, uh, Nick, these are our VPs of sales here at Ninefold Marketing. I'll let them kind of introduce themselves real quick. Cool. Thanks, Micah. Yeah, uh, been in the industry and with our company for going into 10, 10 years, 10 summers. So, I mean, anyone else who's who's been doing it more than like two or three summers, you're like, man, never thought I'd, I'd still be doing this. But here I am, and I think we'll talk about um, that later on today, like, yeah, why I'm still here. Yeah, and I'm Zach, so I started a year after Nick. This will be my ninth summer, and... Um, you know, I think I kind of came into it with the expectation to do it to get through school, and now it's it's like to get through life, I guess. But yeah, it's been been really good. Yeah, and these guys are studs, um, both very successful at our company. They'll kind of get into that later, um, but that's kind of who we have on today. And really, what we want to talk about is several things. But first, kind of the place we need to start is, you know, why door to door? Why are guys, or why should guys even be interested? in this industry, you know, here you guys are nine, 10 years down the road, I'm six years down the road myself. So we kind of have a little bit better perspective, but you know, if we all walk our minds back to that spring, you know, before our first summers, um, scared as crap. Yeah. Spring. <laughs> you know, I know for me personally, uh, obviously it was a different with a different company, but I had a little training manual that was just kind of tossed at me, you know, read this six times. We'll see in May kind of thing. But you know, for these guys, whoever's listening, whether it's rookie reps coming out, veteran reps uh, going back for second, third, fourth summer, why door to door? You know, why why are you guys still here? Why are you still in it? Yeah, I mean, door to door, it's kind of one of those things where, I mean, there's different things in life where you're like, you got to experience it to understand it. And, and that's what I'd say door to door is like, you could explain really why, but like why I'm still here until you really get involved and start like experiencing it, it's kind of hard to comprehend. But I know for me, like why I initially decided to do it is I just, I really bought into and liked the idea that um, I'd get paid for what I produce. Like at other jobs or other aspects in life, you, you don't really see that. If, if you clock in at the same time and clock out at the same time as this other guy, even if you you know, produced and outperformed the other individual, you'd still get the same hourly wage because it clocked in and out at the same time. So yeah. to me, that was exciting. And I didn't know if I'd do well or or like crash and burn, but I just knew I had to try it at least one summer. And then like they say is the, the golden handcuffs and kind of got hooked after that. Yeah, I think kind of a lot the same. I had a mission companion actually that talked about how he did sales. He's like the laziest kid I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and he would talk about it. he made like 16,000, 18,000. And my brain went to like, I'll crush this. Like, I'll do really well at this. And so when I got back, I had guys reach out to me just as an RM, you know, trying to hit me up. Like, they'll take any walking, breathing thing and plug them in. And so I, you know, I told them I wasn't interested. I was, but something they had done kind of turned me off and then got looped back into, you know, some family friends doing it. And that's why I kept doing it. But I think... You know, that's why I started doing it. Why I kept doing it is because like the money's good, but the personal development aspect of it, I think, is like what's irreplaceable. You, like you can go make good money anywhere when you know how to sell stuff. You can sell anything, but 
the personal development, the friendships, that kind of stuff. I think that's really what keeps me addicted to it or like sticking with it forever. Yeah. And that's really great. I mean, I think that's obviously why everyone's still here. Obviously the money is good. There's fruits from the hard labors of knocking doors each summer. You know, it's just as difficult as the last. And that's kind of what, um, I enjoy about this job actually is, you know, the challenge is always still there. You're not doing something that is easy. Um, and yeah, the pay, obviously guys do this for the money. And what do you think about door to door on a, on a broad scale? I mean, there's everything from solar pest control, obviously alarms. I've seen guys walking around neighborhoods in Denver selling water filters. I've seen guys selling roofs. The encyclopedia people from like <laughs> Ukraine or whatever. <laughs> Barely speak English. Yeah, so I, yeah, you got a Some wide variety. Um, I didn't even know encyclopedias were like relevant yeah. anymore. Like everything's online, but yeah, guys, yeah, kids selling books. I've seen that uh, down in the south. So for you guys, I know for me, I like the aspect I like about pest control um, is what actually some people kind of rag on it. It's just kind of how archaic blue collar it is. But for me, it's kind of just like, I look at it as very stable, very solid industry to be in that's been around a long time and doesn't really show any signs of stopping. Um, but I guess for you guys, what aspects of pest control? Because I know, Nick, you had opportunities to do solar before you came out your first summer. Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty much approached by everything once you get into the space. I mean, especially in the bubble, like in the Utah area. Like everyone has dabbled or has a cousin or an uncle or friend or whoever that's tried door to door. So for me, um, yeah, I actually started, did a little blitz for trash after my mission. I was like, whoa, this actually works. Like I made as much in like 10 days as I made a whole summer in high school mowing lawns and working fairly hard. So I was like, I'm in, like, let me try this for summer. Decided to go out and do trash, but I had opportunities for alarms, for, yeah, solar, for, um, satellite TV, but I studied marketing and business administration when I thought like, Hey, I'll go into the corporate world with this degree up at Utah state. And I remember one of the things is like a SWOT analysis, which is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's that little like uh, quadrant chart where you kind of write those things in a business opportunity and the T that threat, I just, I don't feel like it really exists in the pest control service space. Um, what I saw through college again, starting door to door back in 2012 was like satellite was really big back then. You go out, you sell, you know, dish or satellite, however that worked, direct TV. Yeah. And what I saw coming was that threat was like, well, we already have, it was Redbox back then. We have Netflix and you look today and I, I can't even count them on both hands. Like Peacock, Paramount, like Amazon, HBO, this HBO, Hulu. that like Hulu, all these different streaming services and not to mention like YouTube and podcasts and just everything else you can access online. So I don't, I haven't seen yet like a threat that's going to just demolish or wipe out the door to door opportunity for, for pest control. Yeah. I think for me, you know, I, I could have ended up selling anything in the beginning. It was a relationship that kind of got me into the industry and, and got me there. But now if I'm looking at it now for a first year rep, you should want to do pest. Like your success rates are way higher. Guys that finish the summer, guys that make good money, percentage-wise, it's an easier sell than yeah. the other ones that are still out there. Um, and then the other thing is I think anybody that is thinking at all long-term, you don't want to be plugging into something that's not a recurring subscription model, right? Like we sat down with, we're in a meeting with uh, Jesse Itzler, you know, he's a billionaire, 
someone says, hey, Jesse, what would you have done differently? And he's like, I would have done a you know, recurring subscription model. Yeah. So dude's got a billion dollars and that's the one thing that he wishes he had yeah. is a recurring subscription model. So to me, it's easy. It's not changing. It's just like consistent, like what you said. There's no threat to it. And um, the money just keeps coming. Like once you sign them up, it just recurs and recurs and recurs. Yeah. And so if you can plug into that portion of it, it automatically beats every other product that's out there. Yeah, and I think guys, these guys both make great points. You know, you look back at even just the last seven, eight years that I've kind of been in this industry and it's like, you know, alarms. Everyone can go down to Costco right now and set up their house with cameras and stuff for basically nothing. And then, you know, like Nick was saying, I had a buddy sell satellite TV and that's completely gone. Or at least I don't know. Maybe there's one lone TV rep out there. If there is, comment on Certain this. Certain markets it might still be going. Yeah, let us know. Let us know how it's going. Um, <laughs> and then even like you look at solar. You know, a, an industry as far as sales goes that's based almost entirely on government credits. You know, and and tax State regulation and regulations and yeah. stuff that's really you know if you look at it from a business mind out of out of their control. So yeah, I'd say I'm in line with you guys. Like all those reasons are very valid reasons to the pest control point. I think something that you mentioned and kind of got my wheels turning is like, you can put your own alarm equipment in for like significantly cheaper, yeah. like so much cheaper. And if you're like gonna do your own pest service, like anyone, anything you're selling at the door, they can do on their own, right? A lot of times they're buying pests for convenience and they just don't care to do it. Yeah. But also if it was saving them 5,000 bucks, they'd probably do it themselves. That's where the alarm thing comes in is like, yeah. guys can get like a ring alarm system install it in two hours and save $5,000 and like 50 bucks a month beyond there. Yeah. They get a pest control service. They're just adding, you know, six to 800 bucks a year for to have somebody on call for a job they don't want to do. Yep. So I think to that point, there's not even like a threat of the homeowner, like not wanting it. Yeah. You, know, you see, you see like guys will spray their own bugs, but they're not paying us to do it because they can't. They're yeah. paying because they don't want to. Like, <laughs> And you think about kind of the same thing. You think about how many thousands of lawn care companies are in the country. It's like right. everyone in the world is capable of either them themselves or someone in their family mowing their grass. But there's so many millions of homes just because, like you said, it's, something, it's a convenience factor that is a need. Yeah, and the cost savings isn't significant enough to motivate somebody to do it on their own. Right. Where it is in other things. Right. And even there, I'd say there's like a small threat with those robotic lawnmowers <laughs> that are going around that you can program like... Once they figure out how to go straight, dude, it's over. I mean, unless they have like a drone that's programmed and spraying around your house, maybe that's a threat and you want that drone to come inside too, but I just... But then we'll just buy drones. And yeah. Else, so. Yeah, I just don't see it changing. Like, and I don't see it being outsourced to to the homeowner. Yeah. Or you know whatever. I think everything else has that threat when you can just download an app and watch all your TV. Yeah. You can now like install equally good security system on your own with right. like an instruction manual in two hours. I just don't see this going anywhere. And I think yeah. that's really if anyone's objective that and they look at all the things that are hustled door to door. It's like us and Cutco. We'll just stay consistent. <laughs> it's Trash pest control yeah. and like knives. Shout so. out to all the knife wielding warriors <laughs> yeah. out there. Yeah, everything uh, else really has Elrod. a, yeah. a oh, high gee. potential for change. Like, right. uh, and then you don't have as much control anymore. So yeah. So yeah, I think that paints a really good picture just for everyone out there that's maybe wondering or has seen both. Um, just some of the really kind of what I view as like anchors to the pest control industry for me. Um, just that solid foundation that it is. So let's dive in. Kind of the reason I want to have these two guys on for everyone that listens to this uh, today is within the pest control industry, there's a lot of different narratives that go on out there about, 
you know, what is the best situation for guys, right? And you hear about guys doing crazy high volume and personal sales, you know, guys selling millions of dollars, really impressive things. Um, you hear about companies that are, you know, they have their long-term plans for guys that are incentivizing them to stay there long-term in hopes of a big payout at the end. And then you have, you know, our model where we have true equity, different things. And so I think it'd be kind of good just to kind of compare and contrast what we feel like makes our company, you know, the most different. And that's the opportunity to not only just build an asset, but be able to partake in the profitability of what we do. Um, and we all know guys that do a thousand plus accounts in the summer and, um, you know, we, we kind of have a good idea of what they earn because in the industry, everyone, everybody's pay scales circulate through the recruiting pool. Um, and same with retention numbers, percentages. So let's maybe dive into that as far as pest control goes itself. Um, things that truly matter, you know, I'm thinking retention, what's your opportunity wherever you're at? You know, I, I kind of view all these guys out there, no matter what they're selling or where they're selling, you know, everyone's kind of on a different path. Right. As far as different companies go. But I don't think we're all pursuing something different. And I think that's what's so weird about this is like everybody's acts like they have some different thing. And it's like most of the time, no. Most of the time, like the function of your job is the same. Your pursuit is the same. And I think there's like a short-sighted view, which is like I need to get some cash. And like a long, longer-sighted view is like what type of lifestyle am I trying to establish? Like what do I want to have? What do I want my kids to have? What do I want to be able to do with my time? And I think that's where we really just kind of separate ourselves is in the ability to get guys they can see a very clear long-term picture yeah. it's not this like hey someday when x happens and y happens and z delivers you're gonna get q you know it's yeah. like no here's what's happened what we've proven here's what's happened over and over and over again and yeah it's, you can do it like it just it's easy and repeatable and so maybe nick can dive into a little bit more on it but yeah i mean you talked about different narratives and i think just to like call it for what it is, is you got to realize if you're sitting down at a lunch meeting or dinner appointment with a guy looking at door to door, like the guy you're sitting down with is a sales guy. So they're going to be telling their story and why they, you know, feel like they have the best chance and opportunity. I'd say even what we're saying here today is like, that's our narrative. But I think we want to really deliver like some facts and, and lay out like why it's not just the best for like a short term scenario but also long-term and how those can can kind of work together to create the biggest yield and, and biggest opportunity for financial and, and personal growth. But yeah, in the summertime, like, yeah, any industry, if you go out there and really just work hard and buy in and read, you know, whatever training your company provides, you're going to do fairly well if you don't quit, if you're persistent and keep trying to, to get better. And there's some variance in that, right? You don't want to, there are some companies that are, legitimately crappy or that seem to have these um, greedy motives and are out there to kind of screw people over. Yeah. It's the thing I hate most about this industry, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, but I think for the most part, companies are good and they all are trying to kind of revolt against what society is teaching and, and almost like forcing everybody into, which is, hey, you got to go to secondary education because that's the only way you can make more money in life. And that's kind of what we hear. You got to get a degree so you can get paid better. And then to get that, what's the cost to get that? Well, you, for most people, they have to go into debt and now they're almost entrapped. Like they have to pay off their mortgage and their car loans and student loans and all that stuff with a kind of not, not a, a very special salary. So they're, they're just kind of 
enslaved to that for a long time. And that's what I love about door door is you can really get ahead in life with or without a degree. You don't need that, but you can get ahead of any of those debts and set up the lifestyle um, like Zach talked about and actually have some options in life. So that's there for anyone who's going to work hard in one to two summers. We're, you know, a phenomenal option. I could spend all day talking about that and telling my story that I that I share at a, at a lunch meeting or these days it's Zoom calls. Um, but I think, you know, what we want to focus on is more for like, if you're looking to do this three years, four years, you never know. I thought I would just do it four or five years and here I am going into year 10. We talked to a guy um, the other day who worked for my, my our business partners, I guess all of us, um, at a previous company that our, our founders owned and he just sold his, you know, branch for, it was a nine figure sell off for, you know, two locations. So it's, you know, there's some real financial freedom. He's a guy that's probably been in it more like closer to 20 years, two decades. But um, again, I, I don't think there's a, a long-term opportunity out there that scratches the surface of, of what we have. Yeah. Well, and I think like, to your point, if you're thinking Every, every kid I sit down with, like almost always like, yeah, I don't know how good, how long I'm going to do this. It's just a one year thing. A lot of people love to just throw that out there, like to make sure that everyone hears it. It's like, okay, it's just for one year. But if you're even decently good at this, it's a two, three, four year thing. Yeah. And that's why you got to start in the place that two, three, four years down the road is going to serve you the best. Yeah. And I think that's where we really separate ourselves in a massive degree. Something I hear a lot from uh, competing or like competing recruiters or like competitive companies is like, the branch model just doesn't work. And I think what has happened is so many people have tried to be different than the, than the traditional like marketing deal model, and then they haven't had the capital. But the branch model is so attractive that it grows. People are like, really, I can own a piece, like I can have some. And so they grow too fast, they don't have the funds. And that's where wisdom in our founders and, and the guys that we work with, they pace this at the right way where we've cash funded everything. We're completely stable. All growth from this point forward can be cash funded. And now we have guys that are, you know, 24, earning, adding $1.8 million to their total net worth in four months' time. Yeah. So he's four years. It's not a crazy amount of volume. Yeah. We're talking two to three thousand accounts. And so that's where the kid that's sitting down and says, well, this might just be one year. That's what he said when I recruited him out of a Javier's parking lot, you know, and and he's going on his mission the next year. He's like, I'm just going to do it before my mission. I'm going to come back and work for my dad who owns a multi-million dollar company. And now he's 24 and he's a bona fide millionaire. That doesn't happen other places without like massive outside investments and like really aggressive investment strategies and stuff. This is just through door to door. Like it's just through doing the same job that everyone at every other pest control company is doing. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add in like the second prong of that. I think you, you nailed it right there um, with what you talked about. But the other thing why some of the branch or ownership models fail is it sells guys who learn how to sell. They learn how to recruit. They learn how to train. And they're very good at that. It's a skill set that can be refined, I think, pretty quickly yeah. and um, replicated pretty quickly. But they don't really understand the service, the operations, the legal side, the liability side. And so that's what I've loved most or not most, but like with Ninefold, is outside of the summer and the recruiting stuff I do, which I learned my first, you know, three years or whatever, Yeah, is I'm not like, you know, staying up at night worrying because I just had a service manager or a technician walk out on me or because we have, we don't have enough chemical supply or like, 
You're not personally jumping in a truck to fill the route that the guy didn't show up for. Yeah, some technician fell on a window well, and like <laughs> now you're dealing with like all the, the, the T's and the I's, all those things are covered, crossed and dotted because of the experience. Yeah. And so I think that's why a lot of them fail is now they're trying to learn this whole new thing over here. And so it's like, you know, no, no man can serve two masters, like either the service operations side, if you're trying to do it on your own is like yeah. without experience going to fail or bringing on the additional volume. So I think that's when guys start to kind of just yeah. throw in the towel. It's like the uh, infamous Ron Swanson said, you know, never half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and I think guys, when they, when they, pest control is so interesting because everybody has like a high level of confidence in it. So they'll leave their company and start one and, and it's like, we just all sit here and watch it go under in three years. Yeah, there's right? just so much that, you know, even us. You don't know what you day, don't we know. Don't know. Yeah. And it's like every year I learn that again. It's like, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I liked what Zach said. It's like for anybody that's doing door-to-door, you know, this year, whether it's first year, second, third year, I think back to Stephen Covey's, you know, um, Seven Habits. It's like you always begin with the end in mind because if you don't, you end up wasting time or you lose um, – money or you know return on investment of time along the way so that's kind of how i look at it is you know we've kind of talked a tiny bit about our branch model but it's really the way i see it is there's basically a few paths to -to door-to-door especially pest control it's like you get the guy that actually just does it for one year which is pretty rare you get the guy that does it two to three years maybe they recruit a couple buddies and they're on a marketing deal so they usually don't understand how that works. So they hit a lot of expenses. They don't earn what they think. That first year on a marketing deal, maybe the third year, if they stick around that long, it gets a little bit better. That's kind of the path I was on when I started at a different company. But then if you get past three years, four or five years, if you're not in a position where you can partake in ownership and real equity, real dividends, you know, real actual ownership of what you're doing, you're basically on a hamster wheel where you're going to have to recruit 150, 200 guys if you ever want to stop knocking doors yourself. That's going to take you a while. And even if you do, you're still going to have to train, manage, recruit 200 guys every off season. And then you're just getting back in still. Like your money's not flowing all the time. <clears> exactly. Paycheck yeah, and so even if you're a guy out there doing a million dollars in revenue, which is impressive, you know, I don't want to take anything away from that achievement. You know, you're retaining however much of that if you're with, you know, a marketing company, working with different companies, you don't have a lot of say over the service side. So, you know, maybe your retention, your attrition's more 25, 30%. So, you know, as you whittle it down, those guys are making great money for the summer, probably several hundred thousand. But I look at that, I'm like, gosh, dude, like the work they're putting in, it's no different than what we're doing. And when I look at how, you know, I've just performed probably very slightly above average. And I know that my earnings and my total value of my summer is significantly better than yeah. these guys. And to that point, I, a couple years ago, I sat down with a kid um, that I had known for a while. And he was selling on a marketing deal and like a pretty healthy one. So on paper, he should out earn me. Yeah. And we almost did identical metrics. Like he had 200 more accounts than me total between him and his downline that summer. And I made uh, 14 times what he made like 14 times for the same amount of effort. And to me, that's when, if you can't look yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm wasting time, it's the only resource I can't get back, I'm not doing that anymore, then just, you know, you have a problem. And somebody has taught you that your time isn't worth more than anything else. To me, 
if you're going to do this, then you need to optimize your time because yeah. it's oh, the only reason I'm doing this is to have more time. The only reason I'm doing this is so if I decide I want to retire next year, I could. Doesn't mean I'm going to, but it means that I get to dictate the back half of my life, yeah. right? If you're still waiting on back ends, if you're still like, okay, I just got to get to that next level, I just got to get to that next level, then the guy that sits up there, you know, telling you how things are going to go, he dictates your time. Yeah. The guy behind the chair in the office, that's the guy that does it. But see, when I when I said that to this kid, I'm like, yeah, so I made like 14 times what you made. It's almost like it doesn't compute. It's like it almost seems uh, too good to be true. There's no way. I yeah. mean, no, it's just is what it is. Like it just actually is what it is. Fourteen times is a, that's a big yeah. multiple. <laughs> like that. And that's that's, money. <laughs> that's one thing I'd say to anybody listening to this is you know don't take our word for it. We will show you exact numbers, and we will show you how. You know, imagine if if you're a guy doing a thousand accounts, you're a crude. I imagine you know you have several million dollars, few million dollars in your downline. What I would say to those guys is, imagine not just getting paid one time right. on that. Do you know how valuable to a business bringing in $3 million of revenue is? And they pay you out one time on it, and then guess what happens the second year? You're really nothing more than an employee. Yeah. Like, and if you think of yourself differently, you're lying. <clears throat> you're like not being honest, you're not being introspective, you're not really approaching it correctly. 100%. It's like, I sold, I sold six pounds of ham at the deli counter, and I got my paycheck, right? Yeah. And I'm paid per pound of ham. You don't actually own anything. Right. You're driving up the value of the company. You're actually like creating the value of the company. And you, the, you never get anything. And on the on the back end of that, you know, the two, three years, like if you are a guy out there listening to this that's done, you know, high personal volume, over four or five hundred sales in a summer, you recruit a team, you do all that stuff, why wouldn't you want to own a meaningful percentage of that? I think it's because people think it doesn't work out. They're like, Oh, I know a guy that did that mm -hmm. or and it didn't work out. But right. here we have case study after case study of it working out. Yeah. Well, and they think they'll get all that money up front and then invest it into these other areas. Sectors. But it's like you've already like developed a very like unique skill set that you're extremely good at. If you're selling 500 or more accounts in a summer, a thousand accounts, like no, keep doing that and get the biggest yield out of that one thing. Yeah. Don't try to now become like an expert in. Not that you can't dabble because I do this in real estate and crypto yeah. and all that, but it's like, no, you're an expert. You've put in the 10,000 hours, like keep going down that. Yeah. But I think just to sum up like this topic, it's work harder and work smarter. Yeah. Like I, I was talking to my buddy, we were on uh, AAU state uh, winning one state here in Utah, two years, basketball team, had an awesome team connected with him. I knew he'd been in the door to door space and his best summer was 1100 accounts. Wow phenomenal that's you know twice as many as my best summer yeah um and i'm just like blown away and i was trying to get some tips on him like how do you take it to that next level da, 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 da. and then he starts asking me some questions and you know he made over 400 grand that best summer and he had a team that he was managing as well i want to say they did two or three thousand accounts and yeah i actually think i know who this is and i think that's about what they did yeah and, and so you know, he starts asking me some questions. I'm like, well, like passively last year, like I got that passively from, from the branch, like almost the same amount that you had to go out and manage a team and do that all actively. Yeah. I got that passively plus I was building an asset along the way. And I think a lot of you hear about these, these stories about a team or a region, like leaving this guy who's built up this massive downline and they all went to go try this new industry or follow this gold rush. And it's like, that is their asset. It drains them. And, and now they're complete, you know, and they might be 30 or 40, who knows. 
and what have they built along the way like yeah. other than some companies that give this mirage of an eventual you know this We're or that public IPO or, or LTIP and yeah. companies have done that right Vivint's a phenomenal example but I think I think they're the only example though in door to door yeah <laughs> but like even with that I, I think there was some sort of like you know kind of hey well to really get the maximum value out of this, you got to still come on and do X amount of accounts for oh, two, yeah. three more years. Strings attached for sure. 100%. So I think that's, you know, that's like, to me, it was just crazy. And when I talked to this guy, he's still doing door to door. He's like, dude, why didn't you talk to me like eight years ago? Like, because yeah. I was showing him the ROI, like the, re the return on my investment of the initial capital I, I invested into my, in, into my branch. And then I just exited after about five years yeah. exited a market and and sold it off and he was just blown away by like you know yeah. and if i could plug in his skill set again which would have been better than me yeah i'm like dude and nick's pretty out. humble so if anyone out there wants to know the multiple and the payout he got on his branch and the return just dm him on instagram we'll have sam pop up <laughs> his little uh, tag but very impressive very real stuff we love showing people data. We don't want to just give you guys a sales pitch. So anyone that's curious, hit Nick up. Because, um, yeah, it's, it's impressive. And I think you guys are just hitting the nail on the head. You know, it's like, as I look at the industry, it's like, you know, the skill set and the, and the high performers in this industry, um, a lot of that is just who they are. And yeah. I, I believe, like, they could do it anywhere they go. And kind of our invitation, our thing is like, well, what can you really do to maximize that, that amount of revenue you bring in every year? Do you want to get paid on at one time, get a pat on the back, you know, take your little plastic trophy at door-to-door -door con for doing a golden door and hang it on the shelf? Or do you actually want to build an asset right. and a business that gives you real wealth, real financial freedom, freedom to do whatever you want in life, money to invest, and that passive income stream like Nick is talking. And maybe I'm just weird, but I can't wrap my brain around why anybody wouldn't want to do it that way. They're doing this long term. I think there's a couple misconceptions that are important to identify. Again, going back to the branch ownership model is sometimes for guys, depending on which company, I heard about another guy did over a thousand accounts as an owner. Yeah. And the first two or three years, I can't remember what the structure was like, he was gonna get a, a salary for 30 grand. And that was, you know, hey, you put in your sweat equity, put in these sales, and I don't know whose partners were, how that all shook out. But what I heard is he got paid like 30 to 40 grand on a thousand accounts. And um, <laughs> well, his branch will turn a profit sooner. And it's like, yeah, that's true. Cause he didn't get paid a commission or any overrides or incentives, that kind of stuff, I would guess. Yeah, you got paid 3% commission on the revenue you got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like, um, and then there's others that like, yeah, you can own own a branch or, or a piece of that. And, um, but again, your sales, you don't get like higher retroactive levels. So they'll put a team there, but then they'll go and actually sell on a marketing deal for like, Orkin. So, yeah, Orc and Terminex, whoever, Truly Nolan, whatever, and go make money over here either to fund their branch or because like their partners aren't going to pay them on their own commissions. Yeah. And so that's the, like what I would say in the ownership model, what really two things I think that separate us is one, our, our founder, Byron Gifford, he's like an OG of pest control. A lot of guys in the space now who have started companies, 
he has some connection to back at the old company called Eclipse. There's a good chance everybody's lineage and door-to-door goes back to Byron. Father Gifford, yeah. And exactly. He, he just knows the operations and how to run things so, so well and lean on the service side that we turn a very, very high profit. And we could talk about that on another podcast. But the second thing is that we don't shortchange the owner because he's, he's wearing the sales rep hat and now he's wearing a hat as an owner. We don't shortchange this. We don't say you don't get this anymore. You get, you know, you get fulfilled in both, both roles the same as you would if Which you were just amazing. a sales rep. So that's where yeah. like, if you can do 500, 1,000, if you can do 300 accounts, bring on two to 3,000 accounts a summer or more, like you don't have to stop there obviously, but you can build a money tree. Like you can build an <laughs> asset that you're making your 100 to three, 400 grand a summer based on your personal commissions, your managing overrides, Okay, that's your 1099 income. But now as an owner, you get a W-2 salary yep. paid out bi-weekly. Taxes are taken out of that. That just covers. For me, that was my cost of living. My salary was paying me six grand a month. And that was, in my mind, still like passive income. Yeah. It wasn't the door-to-door stuff that was, that was yielding that. And then you got your K-1 returns. Dividends. Dividends for profit sharing. And then you're building a real asset long-term. Yeah that if you ever go to sell or anything like that, that it has real tangible value. And so that's yeah. where I think like, again, the ownership model, if you're with the right ownership model, with the yeah. right partners and strategy structure there, it, you know. And to your point, compares. you know, if I was to give a sales pitch for Ninefold, I would say, and I've looked high and low myself, so maybe there is something out there, but I think we're the only one that, that has that. It's like other companies, if you're becoming an owner, you're walking into a situation where you're personally going to have to sacrifice, you know, your summer earnings, um, and it's going to affect you for a couple of years. And then when your branch turns a profit, you've still lost money because of those summers. You're not getting what you're used to. And one thing I'd say is most guys that go try to do that, they run it the same way a marketing deal is run, and they never turn a profit. Yeah. Like the company actually never makes money, and so they don't really understand how to take the model and and execute it. And so then they end up just selling it three years down the road for a really low multiple because they're out of money and it's not cash flowing and they have to do that. And it's, it's uh, what we have that is a little bit different is just a really good understanding and a proven model. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, if you just sit down and look at the numbers, I don't believe anyone can be like, no, my time would be better spent not doing this. 100%. That'd probably be our invitation to guys, right, is show us what you do. And I have 100% faith just because it's math. Like if you did what you do here, it would be infinitely better earnings wise. 100%. And you know, with like Nick saying with Byron running the operations, really experienced guys, you know, the other thing I see with the ownership model is some companies pop up from time to time and it's just a good sales guy or two or three good sales guys. And they don't have a great understanding of operations and they start branches and they start, you know, doing things and they don't really know what they're doing they start washing cars at people's houses. They start doing these other things that don't make any sense from a business standpoint. Right. And it's like, you know, if, if you're gonna do this long-term, the ownership model is kind of like, it's kind of like a loaded gun. You know, depending which way you point it, it's gonna have, you know, severe consequences. If it's run the right way and if it's a um, good operation, you know, you'll kill it with it. But if it's not, it can really end up hurting you yeah. is kind of the point I'd make on that. Um, but I guess to kind of wrap up, you know, what would you guys kind of say as we kind of finish this first episode, we've talked a lot about kind of 
you know, the ownership models, the different models in general. Um, none of the two nitty gritty details of it, but if you guys would just kind of, you know, nine, 10 years experience, um, just in your personal life, you know, what is, what's kind of led to for you guys, I guess. Yeah. Uh, for me, yeah. I think it's just the ability to say yes and tell people no. Like if my wife's like, Hey, can we go on a trip? Yeah, sure. Or like if someone's like, Hey, can we help this person out? I'm like, yeah, sure. How much you need, you know, whatever it is, it's the ability to not have to worry. Um, and it's like, I look across the industry and realize I've done significantly less and made significantly more yeah. than like 99% of people that have ever touched the door before. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not saying that to boast. I'm saying it because like everyone else can do it too. 100%. And so like what I've done is repeatable and it's beatable. There are guys coming up in our company that are better than I am. And so it's not just like, hey, look at me and what I've done. What it's done for my life is like, everything's good. Like, you know, I am in a place that I, I hoped I would be when I was 50. Yeah. And it's like, um, that's really cool. And it's, I'm really grateful for it. But I think what it, to me, it's like, I'm not special. You know, I, I might be like a little more persistent or this or that, but like it, anyone can do this. Yeah. And I would just say what, what I said earlier, like if you're going to do this, everyone knows door to door sales is hard, hard work. Yeah. Um, don't just do that. Don't just have the hard work, but make sure you're doing it smart. Yeah. So you see a return on all of that time, all that time away from your family, missing your kids, crawling, walking. Hot summer some, days. Hot summer days where, you know, it's you, you're delirious out there on the doors. Like, um, and don't get me wrong, door-to-door -door sales. We all know the culture in those offices and correlations is super fun. And I've never la laughed harder in my life than some of those <laughs> meetings. But it is extremely hard work. And just make sure that you're getting what you want out of it and i think if we tie this back to the beginning what does everyone want <clears throat> whether they know it or not when they start door-to-door -door sales it's what zach just identified it's options it's freedom and that's what ninefold provides 100 and i think that's a great place to end it uh, we're gonna be doing more of these podcasts the goal is to just bring you guys more value more insight into the door-to-door -door sales world and yeah what these guys said i just say amen to because there's a really, really high ceiling in this job and you just want to make sure that you're on the right path. And when you're young and you're coming up in this industry, you just don't know what you don't know. So yeah, I think ownership, doing it the right way, those are all things that in the end lead to ultimate potential, maximizing your earnings, everything like that, which should be everybody's goal if they're doing this job. <laughs>